Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! going on guys welcome back to wrestle rant radio for thursday september 15 2022 i am graham gsa matthews hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far we did not do an interview last week due to all the talk of all out and uh, clash of the castle and everything else going on in the world of wrestling last week and it was a very busy week thankfully we had a much calmer week this week a lot more to discuss with mr marceau on the back end but we will be bringing back the interviews uh, this week next week Probably for the next four weeks, I have four interviews from the house show that I attended at Springfield, uh, WWE Live Springfield, in late August. Uh, we're talking to Kofi Kingston, Drew McIntyre, Austin Theory, and Matt Riddle. Four great interviews. Today we'll have the interview air with Austin Theory. And there is some talk of Clash of the Castle, because again, this was before that pay-per-view. So when the Drew interview hits specifically, either next week or the week after, um, just keep that in mind and it's obviously outdated by a few weeks but we'll be airing those interviews and the article that that you know interview was uh, though all those interviews were for actually went live last friday on bleach report so if you haven't already checked it out please do so very proud of that piece uh, kind of breaking down what goes into the wwe house shows why they're important the lineage of the house shows and stuff like that so we spoke to kofi drew we spoke to theory and riddle about it all of them had great stuff to say so we're going to be sharing those interviews on the show in the weeks to come but before we get to any of that you can check out new episodes of wrestle rant radio every single thursday right here on wrestlerant.com wrestlerantradio.com itunes stitcher spotify TuneIn radio iheart radio google podcast podbean amazon music and pandora be sure to rate the show review the show and subscribe to the show never miss new episodes every single thursday Without further ado, please enjoy my exclusive interview with Mr. Money in the Bank, Austin Theory. What's going on, guys? Graham Jason Matthews here at BleachReport.com, live in Springfield, Mass. for WWE Live. we got Mr. Money in the Bank, potentially future WWE Undisputed Champion. Austin, what's going on, man? Uh, that is what's going on. <laughs> I have the chance to become the youngest Undisputed WWE Universal Champion. I just need a successful cash-in. That's it. It's that simple, right? Now, of course it is. I mean, you've been building momentum a lot lately. We've seen you on TV, mixing it up with a variety of talent. But tonight here at WWE Live, you're going to be mixing it up for the United States Championship, which we're all looking forward to. It should be a great match. From your perspective, as far as the house shows go, that's what's interesting as far as your involvement, because you're still relatively new to the main roster. Right, right, right. So talk about like your experience doing these house shows over the last year since you first got called up. So for me, house shows, the difference with them and actually you know, doing a Monday Night Raw or yeah. a Friday Night SmackDown is it's really the audience, the connection that we get to make with them. You know, There's no focus on you know, cameras and stuff like that and facing this way. We're so you know, focused on playing to the audience mm-hmm. and especially getting to try you know, so many new things. You know, maybe tonight I'll try a move I never did. You know, maybe I'll say something that I've never said in a promo. Let's see you know, what the response is. And that's what's so cool is it's almost like these are just 
you know, it, it's for fun. It's a good yeah. time for families, uh, really anybody. And for me, I just find myself, honestly, I, I enjoy it so much because it's a chance to go and create. Mm -hmm. And uh, they'll definitely let you know if it's a good creation or not. I was going to say, like, so how often is it that you do something, whether it be in a promo or in a match, and then we get to see it incorporated, like, the subsequent Raw or the subsequent Monday on Raw? Like, how often does it happen, at least from what you've experienced so far? Well, for me, uh, there's been a, uh, a few things, actually. Mm -hmm. um, even, you know, little things, the way you might try to mock the crowd, uh, something that gets them, you know, wild up and going to TV and trying it out and hearing it. Yeah. Oh, wow. And not even having to play to that direction of them, but... Especially here, I feel like it's so much more in your face. You know, you get to feel the action, you get to see it up close, and really, there's no, you know, rules. We don't, we're not going to a commercial. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just straight, you know, WWE live action. <laughs> it's it's funny for you too, growing up as a fan as well. I mean, have you, you? I assume you went to a bunch of house shows growing up, right? Yeah, I I actually remember going to a house show that was called. Uh, it was one of the Raw House shows, and I thought it was Monday Night Raw, but I just I couldn't figure out why it was like on a Thursday. At yeah. The time. And I showed up, and I was like, man, like, what Raw is this? You know, I couldn't figure it out, and I think they had a cage match and everything. But that's the thing about live events is there's so many things that can happen. There's not really a like I said set some rules. Yeah, exactly. Stuff that could happen. Anything could happen at a live event. Yeah. No, I mean, going off of that, too, in the last couple of years, I say you're new to live events, but obviously you were doing them previously as part of NXT as well, right? right. I mean, you got signed at a weird time because you got signed right before COVID, and then COVID yeah. hit, and you weren't doing house shows. So it's right. weird. Yeah, and I think uh, really getting that actual house, you know, show feeling yeah. uh, was when I, you know, got drafted to Monday Night Raw, and... Uh, but just the experience, you know, I, I've been in the ring with uh, Finn Balor on house shows. Uh, actually, AJ Styles is here tonight. I think I'm going one-on-one -on -one with him. Nice. Uh, or maybe a triple threat. I think it's him and Bobby, right? Yeah, yeah but... Uh, <laughs> it's Bobby, right? <laughs> no, it's never a if you care about his title. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, that's true. You got me there. But uh, anyway, who cares about Bobby? <laughs> but um, yeah, like just the experience, you know, getting to be in the ring with guys like Finn Balor, AJ Styles, um, Bobby Lashley. You know what I mean? Just that level of uh, excitement and getting to bring that to fans, getting yeah. to see a matchup. And that's the thing about live events, you never know what kind of matchup you're going to get. Yeah. So that's that's what's pretty exciting. And usually it's uh, you get to see what's going to happen before, you know, a Monday Night Raw. You get a big tease. So. Yeah, yeah I know tonight, thing. I think on the card tonight they're doing Oscar and Eo Sky, which we've never seen one-on-one -on -one before, yeah. but we're getting it tonight before we ever see it on Raw, which is pretty cool. And to me, that sounds like a WrestleMania where they Yeah, honestly, match, yeah. You know? Yeah. So... so. Looking forward to it, but yeah, no, just going off that, talking about the experience that you've had so far working with the people that you have, Finn, AJ, Bobby, unfortunately for your sake, but talking about that, especially with the Dolph matches, there was all this talk going into that mini rivalry you guys just recently had that, that kind of allowed you to be able to work with him on these house shows. Right. So coming out of like these house shows and that feud, if you want to call it that, that it lasted for about a month, do you see yourself gaining, like do you feel like you're a better off superstar today than you were a month ago before working with him on all these shows? Uh, I would say absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, just because every time, like even from the beginning, I remember uh, I was doing a lot of house shows with Finn Balor. Yep. I had somebody to help me improve a lot. Um, and it's like each person I get a different you know, learning experience from. With Dolph, really learned, you know, just getting the crowd and just taking your time. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like every single time I'm in the ring with one of those guys or a guy that's on that level, you know, and obviously the future holds that, you just improve. Yeah. And it's like, you don't even have to, I don't want to say not try, but yeah. it's like, it's there. 
you know, and it's yeah. like just grab it and go with it. And it's an experience. It makes your job ten times easier to be in the ring than in the ring with someone like a, you know, yeah. Dolph or a Finn Balor, whatever it might be. You know, Absolutely, you know, great for you. But yeah. uh, you know, talking about the crowd reactions too, like. What do you notice compared to being at a Raw or a SmackDown or at SummerSlam when you came out? Big reaction from people there. These type of shows, it seems like they're much more, I mean, all the shows are family friendly, but there's a lot yeah. of families that come to these type of shows on a Saturday night, which is when we're speaking right now. Yeah. The reactions, like, what have you noticed as far as, like, how people react to theory at these shows? So I will say that no matter where we go, I yeah. do not have a problem getting booed. <laughs> it's uh, a good problem to have. Anywhere yeah, else, probably not, but not, any other profession. It's not even an issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they just love to boo me. And yeah. I love to uh, sit there and smile and hold my briefcase up and yeah. show them that they're wrong. <laughs> Last few questions for you, Theory. Um, you get a live event listing for this show, all the house shows coming up. It's that Austin Theory. Is there anything you can add to that? I mean, some things are out of your control. I understand that. But we, could we see the return of the Austin name in your ring? I mean, it's your name regardless. So. Yeah. Do you have any, any thoughts on that? I don't really, you know, I, obviously there's a bunch of things being said. But to me, uh, I actually like theory. I really do like it. Mm. Uh, it's kind of, it's one of those things at first where you're like, ah, oh, you know. But for me, Austin is my real first name. Yep. And, you know, Austin Theory is what I've always said in promo. Yeah. So, even sometimes, too, I'll do podcasts and catch myself saying Austin Theory. Yeah. But for me, I really feel like if somebody was to look up WWE and look up Austin, we all know that Stone Cold's probably going to pop up first. Yep. So to me, I'd rather, you know, you put Theory, WWE, there's only one. Yeah. So for me, I, I personally really enjoy just being Theory. Yeah. Oh, perfect. And I mean, going off of that as well, Theory might be the next WWE Undisputed Champion if he cash in the briefcase, I which... Don't, I, I don't think I might be. I think <laughs> Okay, well, I like the guarantees, yeah. but when you cash in, you have the briefcase here tonight, I assume, right? Absolutely. You don't have it here right now. No. But we've never actually ever seen someone cash in at a house show. Not to say it's going to happen tonight, but I mean, from your standpoint, that sounds like an interesting concept from a fan standpoint. I mean... You know, anything can happen in the WWE, yep. and that's been said a lot of times, and I feel like, who knows? Why, why would it not happen? It has to happen eventually, right? Yep. Somebody has to do it, and why not me, somebody that, you know, makes these headlines, these achievements, the youngest United States champion, the youngest Mr. Money in the bank, and the man that could cash in at a live event, maybe in Springfield, Massachusetts, who knows? Who knows? It's possible we could be talking about the next WWE World Heavyweight Champion tonight, although even if it's not tonight, it's going to happen at some point. But keep an eye out for that. We're in Springfield tonight, WWE Live. Theory, thanks so much for the time, man. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you, man. Big thanks to Theory for the time. Very much enjoyed that chat. And I do have to apologize as well for the audio issues we experienced while recording that interview. I don't know if it was because the audio came out of the microphone as opposed to the recorder or rather the other way around, but regardless of the reason, I hope you enjoyed the interview and you can check out more quotes from Theory from the interview in an article, as I mentioned earlier, um, over on Bleach Report, breaking down WWE house shows and the magic behind them. But now we switch gears and break down everything going on in the world of wrestling right now with the one, the only Mr. Marceau. RJ, brother, how's it going? Doing peachy, you. Doing peachy, he says. Well, switching up the response on me. I wasn't prepared for that. I'm doing wonderful, Mr. Marceau. Uh, I'm just looking forward to this. It seems like there's a lot of shows to look forward to in the remainder of the year as we head into the fall months and the remaining months of 2022. You mentioned the other day SmackDown coming to, uh, not Worcester, as Alexis likes to say, but Worcester, Massachusetts in early October. 
And I also mentioned to you that uh, we got Dynamite coming back to Connecticut in November as well, on your birthday, no less. So it seems like we got a lot to look forward to, depending on what we attend. Please don't tell me she actually calls it Worcester. So she says Worcester just to bust my balls and not because she actually thinks... I mean, I've told her it's Worcester many times, but she does that just to be an anti-Massachusetts native. So does she say she likes Braun Strowman's new terrible theme just to be a jerk <laughs> No, she genuinely feels that way. <laughs> oh, Alexis, it's awful. Please stop. <laughs> I got to relay the message to her. But like I said, we got a lot to get to here today. Um, you mentioned Braun Strowman. He was on SmackDown last Friday, officially a member of the Blue Brand. I think we, we obviously talked a bit about Broman, uh, Broman, uh, Braun Strowman last week here on the show. That got some traction on YouTube as far as whether his return will benefit WWE. You know, you mentioned not my favorite wrestler, but I do think he's a quality addition to the roster. And a quick note on him before we go forward. Your thoughts on him going to SmackDown and uh, debuting over there and being exclusive to Friday nights going forward. I think it's good. I think they need someone like in the upper mid card, like a new face. So I, I didn't hate it. No, I think he's a good quality addition to that show, as I mentioned. So I uh, know SmackDown talk, but we have a lot to talk about as far as Raw goes for Monday. Do you want to get your thoughts as this week did mark one year of NXT 2.0? Do you want to get your thoughts on the first year of NXT 2.0 and what the future holds for the brand going forward after the tease of uh, Black and Gold NXT at the end of this week's NXT. And we got a new NXT North American champion. All that and so much more at the end of the show. And predictions for next week's Grand Slam Dynamite, including three championship matches that we know of next Wednesday. But before we get to any of that, Mr. Marceau, it's that time of year. We have to address it. I'd be remiss if I did not. The PWI 500 was released on Wednesday. Now, not I mean, it is credible. It's something that you don't really have to put a lot of stock in because not one person makes the list. I think it's a culmination of a lot of people who work for that magazine. Uh, whether you love the list, whether you hate the list, or you're indifferent towards it, which I'm kind of am at this point, um, I had a lot to say last year as far as I thought Roman should have been number one over Kenny Omega just based on the two years both of them had. Um, beyond that, though, I didn't really have a lot. I don't even remember what the rest of the list looked like last year. I I'm going to rattle off the top 20. I'm going to get your thoughts real quick, not on every single entry here, but just your general thoughts on the rankings and anyone who was admitted and stuff like that. So, top 20 look like this. Number 20, Drew McIntyre. 19, former AEW World Champion Kenny Omega. And also, I should note, by the way, the evaluation period was July 1st, I believe, of 2021 to June 30th of 2022. I'm pretty sure is what it was. So, 17, Seth Rollins. 16, MJF. 15, Hiroshi Tanahashi. 14, Josh Alexander from Impact. 13, Matt Cardona. 12, John Moxley, 11, Shingo Takagi, 10, Jonathan Gresham, 10, Big E, or 9, Big E, um, 8, El Ijo Del Vikingo, I think is how you pronounce his name, he's from AAA, 7, Brian Danielson, 6, Cody Rhodes, 5, Bobby Lashley, 4, Hangman Adam Page, 3, CM Punk, he's probably happy he's one above Adam Page, 2, Okada, and 1, Roman Reigns. So, we discussed it briefly over uh, DM yesterday with Roman Reigns topping the list this year. He, he's topped the PWI 500 before. Um, for the first time in a few years, though, Roman Reigns is number one once again. And, uh, yeah, an interesting list, to say the least. And, uh, you know, this always gets a lot of people talking every single year. Oh, this person was left out. This person should have been higher. Blah, blah, blah. Overall, I don't really mind this list whatsoever. The big talking point this year on Twitter is that John Moxley was number 12. Now, I know that they do this all based off of kayfabe. If you do this based on, like, in-ring, as far as best matches, or best, you know, uh, they, they, or best promos, or best character work, then yeah, a lot of these people would be higher 
fucking Rollins would not be 17 behind Jonathan Gresham, I'll tell you that much, who I like a lot, but, I mean, come on. Um, that's just the way that they do it. They go it off of, you know, title wins, how long they held championships. That's just their criteria. So you got to keep that in mind. That being said, though, John Moxley, although he did not win the world championship until the very end of the evaluation period, he was pretty much undefeated for that entire time. I know he did go to rehab for three months, but Cody Rhodes was also gone from wrestling for a good three months when he left AEW to go to WWE. So I'm not really sure that's a solid excuse. Um, I know you're not the biggest fan of John Moxley, so I'm curious what your thoughts on that are, but just the overall list and who you thought was left out, if you have any thoughts on him at all. No, I, th- I, th- I mean, all the people on, I, I mean, Roman being one, like, that was just, like, he wasn't one, then they need to reevaluate the rankings, but I think Roman's good. Like I said, Seth, I feel like, is pretty low. I mean, like you said, booking-wise, I mean, he didn't have the greatest year, but, I mean, I feel like he did, like, especially in 2022, I mean, he's had amazing matches. I mean, he hasn't won a lot, so maybe, like, I guess theoretically, he hasn't any titles and stuff like that. But I mean, he's had a ton of great matches in the last year. Like you said, it's not really based on match quality because I feel like a lot of them would be higher. But no, I mean, I think Moxley probably deserves to be in the top ten. Like you said, I mean, he he was champion for a little bit, and I mean, yeah, he was gone a little bit, like you said, for rehab. But so was Cody. So I don't really know how that kind of equates. But besides that, I really didn't have a problem. But I agree with, like you said, I'm not the biggest Moxley guy, but I, I think he should have been a little bit higher. Obviously, these don't really mean much at the end of the day, but I think I think that people have a strong point that he should probably be in the top 10. I, I think you keep being omitted is not right. Yeah, I mean, another thing you got to consider, too, if you talk about people missing time, Big E missed the final three or four months of the evaluation period, too. He got hurt in early March, and the evaluation period to them ends in late June, so he was gone for that entire time, So, and he was number nine. I know he was WWE champion for four four months, and he had a decent year from the period that they're uh, you know evaluating for, but, I mean, he also wasn't the best book champion. He lost a lot, so, again, it's all subjective at the end of the day. Uh, Roman Reigns being number one was also my top takeaway. Your thoughts on CM Punk being number three? I didn't really see an issue with that. I honestly saw next to the John Moxley um, issues that people had there, which I understand. People were taking exception to Punk. Now, obviously, I'm biased as a Punk fan, but even putting that aside, I mean, he did have a great year. I mean, the guy came back in August, so he missed the first month or two of the evaluation period, but he only lost, I think, one match. He got hurt at the end, and he missed the final month. But, I mean, the only match that he lost was to MJF in Chicago um, during this period, back in, I think, February or March. Beyond that, he won every match. He won the championship at the very end. And he had a great year for AEW. So, honestly, him being number three didn't really bother me. I know Adam Page was world champion for six months. But, again, this is the thing. Like, if you go off a subjective, like, oh, did he have a good title reign, then obviously Page would probably be lower than Punk, as he is, but if they're going off of kayfabe stuff, Page was champion for six months, so he probably should be higher, but again, at the end of the day, this doesn't really mean that much. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have a problem with it, like you said, I think he also had a great year, I mean, like you said, I feel like it's so subjective, people are like, oh, like, why is he higher than Page, when Page had six, Page had a good title, had a longer title, like, a good title run, but to me, I don't know, I feel like it was very disappointing. I mean, I, I feel like I'll, I'll be dying on this hill. I don't know. I, like, he had a good, like, he had a couple of good matches, but, like, for how big the moment was of him finally being Omega, I feel like it was just, it was a letdown from what it could have been. I feel like he, his popularity, I mean, it's just a wrestling thing anyways. Like, the fans, like, weren't as behind him once he won the belt. I mean, that's always the case, but I don't know. I, I have no problem with him being behind Punk. Yeah, no, I, I thought that made sense. And the funny thing is, is that, Page's entire title run was kind of overshadowed by 
Punk and largely MJF as well, who's a lot lower on the list because he just doesn't wrestle a lot. And if you're going off of matches one, I can understand that. I mean, he, he was kind of keeping and is keeping AEW afloat from as far as like my engagement goes. As far as my engagement goes, he's keeping me interested. Punk was as well. Punk's gone for now. If not for good, we still don't know. No real update on that, but uh, it's funny because Adam Page was overshadowed for his entire title reign by Punk, and Punk just so happens to be number three over Page's four, so I thought that was funny. And Roman Reigns, any, I didn't really see anyone complaining that he was number one. Um, you have to remember, too, if you're thinking now, well, the guy is a part-timer. How does that work? We never see him on the show. The evaluation period, as they mentioned, was from July to July, and he didn't go part-time until April, and even then... Honestly, it was really May, because he made a couple of appearances in April. He was at WrestleMania Backlash, where he won in the main event with the Bloodline. So, he wasn't overly active in the remainder of the period, though he did have that one match on SmackDown where he beat Riddle to retain the title. So, I can understand why he's number one. He should be number one. He is, and, you know, arguably still is the best thing in wrestling as far as the, uh, you know, the act goes and the Bloodline stuff, and people might be getting tired of it, and it is what it is. But let's go off of that into another quick, uh, you know, sidetrack here as far as Roman Reigns goes. Because it came out since we last spoke as far as why Roman Reigns won at the pay-per-view. And I think this came out after we spoke last week. But the report indicated, not that, I mean, this could be wrong as far as what the internal belief is. Not that they're waiting for Cody Rhodes. Not that they're waiting for WrestleMania. But they want to make Roman Reigns a legend. And for a lot of current fans, he probably is. Anyone who started watching in the last 10 years, he probably already is. I mean, he is this generation's John Cena in many ways. Is he on the same level as a Hulk Hogan or a Rock or a Stone Cold of all time? No. Um, but they really want to make it seem that way by having him hold the championship for like three or four years. He already he already passed the two-year mark. We're approaching three next August and then four the following year if he holds it till WrestleMania 40, which is possible. I don't know, at least to me, we talked about this last week, so we won't spend a lot of time on this, but I still maintain it's got to be Cody Rhodes. If you have him beat Cody Rhodes, if and when that match happens, and there also is the chance that Cody wins the WWE title off of Seth, which other people have pitched, but if it's not Cody, Braun Breaker's a possibility, but that wouldn't be for a long time because Braun's just not ready. I don't know how much longer we can go with the Roman experiment if it lasts past WrestleMania 39. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with him holding on the belt long, a little bit longer, like you said. But I feel like at this point it has to be Cody. If it's anyone, I just if it's Braun, I mean, you feel like it either be very soon, which I feel like the fans would just be pissed about. I feel like Cody would be the perfect person. Like Braun feels like would be like a Roman winning it like five years ago, and people are like, oh, he's not ready. And yeah, like that's down our throat. So I think it's Cody or Bust at this point. I, I just kind of, I still wish they just, like, once they do it, they do, like, break up the belts. I mean, him having both belts, like, yeah, it's good for him, but it's just, like, it hurts Raw a lot, I feel like. SmackDown, I feel like he's on the show more than Raw, so I don't think it really hurts SmackDown, but it hurts Raw a lot. So I feel like once he loses it, hopefully they can break it off and they can have their two separate lineages. Yeah, hopefully that still happens at some point within the next couple of months. We already talked about the theory of maybe Rollins winning it from Roman in like a ladder match or a TLC match at Survivor Series or TLC if they do it this year, which they haven't announced yet, or the Saudi show, which I think is Roman's next defense, um, I would have to imagine. He's not going to be at Extreme Rules next month, so his next defense might be that Saudi show in early November. But on the subject of Braun Breaker, um, just talking about NXT, uh, yesterday... I think it was. We're talking on Thursday. Yesterday, uh, September 
14th. Did mark exactly one year since the rebrand of the now former, or I guess now current, black and gold NXT into NXT 2.0, the rainbow brand, as people have called it since then. Um, curious on what your thoughts on the overall view of the brand was, because early on the show was really not that good, and it took a, I would say it took a while for the brand to really find its footing. The quality of the shows, as we spoke about, we don't really review the show weekly here, but, you know, the great was great and the bad was bad. But I do feel in the last at least month or so, They've done an effective job of weeding out the weak stuff, and it's still a developmental show. It is now more developmental than it has been in probably close to 10 years, because they have a lot less established talent, but they are on primetime television for two hours on USA Network, which doesn't help matters. Um, They still have a lot of people that need experience, but they also have a lot of people that have gotten over and have become big stars in the last year that we weren't previously familiar with prior to NXT 2.0. That being, as they mentioned, Braun Breaker, probably being the biggest star of the bunch, becoming superstar of the year for NXT. That was a no-brainer. But then you also have Carmelo Hayes, who did not debut under the NXT 2.0 banner. He had already debuted a few months prior to that in June of last year, but he's been a big star for the brand and really highlighted as the North American champion in the last year. Solo Sokoa just became the new NXT North American champion, which we'll get to momentarily. Grayson Waller had a great last year. Toxic Attraction, Mandy Rhodes was already, already obviously established, but you know, they've become a big part of the women's division in the last year, and you brought over a lot of people from NXT UK as well. Pretty Deadly have done well for themselves. So, just as far as the talent development in the show is concerned, what has been your overall take on NXT 2.0 in the last year as we, re- as we reach this uh, one-year mark? Has it been good, bad, or somewhere in the middle? Um, I would say, looking at it a whole, I would say it was good. Um, like you said, I think at first, it, obviously, the, the direction like went a full 180, so like it did take a little bit while, a little while to get used to it. Like, so the shows aren't... Recently, with the whole new regime change, I feel the shows have been more palatable. I mean... Some of them were just god awful. Like it was only good to watch the main event, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I, like you said, I think when you're looking at it as a whole, they they've made a lot of new stars. So I think that's what I'd point to. Like I mean, Breaker's a big star. Carmelo Hayes, Sola Sokoa, um, Tony D'Angelo. I like Tam. Oh Porch, yeah, Tony D'Angelo. Uh, yeah. Tam Perez. I mean, I I feel like I'm missing out on plenty of people. Like the Pretty Deadly's been good. The Creed Brothers have been doing a lot better. Toxic Attraction as a whole. I mean. I feel like they've done great, and I think they, those that's what they've been focusing on, the bring up those younger stars, and I think they've done well, and I, I think we're starting to see some more seeds for newer people coming up, but uh, I think it's worth it. And, yeah, at first it was pretty rocky, but I think they might be going back to the black and gold, but I think they're still going to focus on, like, developing talent. So I, I, I think at first, if you're going off, like, I think if you're going off as a whole, I'd say it's more of a mixed bag, but... Looking at the last couple months and the stars they have made, I think it's more of a success than a failure. Yeah, they created a lot of new names out of fresh faces and a lot of young talent as well coming into the company. And, you know, not to say the original NXT wasn't a success. That would be very stupid to say. And people might say, oh, what happened to Alistair Black and Keith Lee? They're not there anymore. Yeah, it's no fault of their own. And that's not NXT's fault. Um, They created this. I mean, they didn't create the stars. They were already stars in the independent scene. NXT just kind of gave them a platform to showcase their skills. They get called up, get misused get let go, or leave on their own accord. It's happened a lot. I think the biggest benefit to NXT 2.0 has been Triple H taking over the main roster, because at least now you know there's more synergy between NXT and the main roster. You would have never, ever, ever, ever seen someone from the main roster go to NXT, win a championship, and then either stay there or bring it to the main roster. 
And I know Dolph Ziggler did that when Vince McMahon was NXT or was running NXT or running the main roster or whatever earlier this year. Dolph Ziggler did that with the NXT Championship. But other than that, though, like we don't know what's going to go. We don't know where we're going with uh, Solo Sokoa as the North American Champion. That has potential. I don't know if he's bringing it to SmackDown or if he's going to stay in NXT or if he's going to pull double duty. I don't know, and that's why I'm excited to see where they go with it from here. But we'll get to that in a moment. But as far as the talent, I feel like Braun actually has a bright future ahead of him, not only in NXT, but now on a Raw or a SmackDown. And I actually have faith for Solo on SmackDown and Grayson Waller when he gets called up and even the other people that were already in NXT, like Santos getting called up and people like that. I have more faith for them now than I did originally uh, when Vince McMahon was running the main roster. So they've created several stars and I think they've had some good shows as well. The weekly shows aren't always the best, but... I think the specials have been great, and I also heard you talk about the black and gold, we'll talk about that now, your thoughts on the video package that closed out NXT on Tuesday with a potential rebrand. Now, we're not going back to the classic days of NXT, but I do think they can strike a balance between what the black and gold brand really highlighted, that being the in-ring action, and then NXT 2.0's development of new stars. If you can hit that balance, I feel like that's the sweet spot for NXT. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think... You have some veteran people down in NXT that can have good matches. I think there's plenty of people there. And like you said, and then there's still some character development. So I think they don't have to go back to, like like you said, the black and gold, like, amazing indie guys and all that shit. But, like, a good mixture of both, I mean, I think that's what they're going to go with. And, I mean, the whole Rainbow brand, there's fine for one year, but, I mean, NXT's black and gold. So if you can hit the mix, like you said, it would be a, a, a very good show. Did you hear the uh, rumor that they're bringing back takeovers going forward as well? They should. I mean, they should start touring again, too. I mean, the fact that they're at the same... I mean, I'm kind of over the PC crowd. I feel like it's just like... It's the same with the full-sale crowds. It's like, they like what they like, and they shit on what they do, and it's just like not... It's not a good gauge of the fans, because it's like the same people every week. I mean, if if I went to the same show every week, you'd get the same reaction out of me. So, maybe they could hopefully, like you said, with the takeovers, travel a little bit more, and kind of get more of a different gauge of different fans but i mean i I like it yeah it makes sense to me i think it's great and i think if they're going to be making halloween havoc a new takeover going forward hey i'm all for that that sounds fantastic so it is funny that it took vince mcmahon you know leaving power to bring back takeovers i mean it's it's really just a name at the end of the day but it just makes more sense if you're going to have these quarterly specials you may as well just call them takeovers so i think it's cool And it sounds like, as I mentioned, Halloween Havoc is going to be the first one back under the TakeOver banner in October, which I'm looking forward to. Um, But yeah, no, I feel like if they can kind of strike that balance between the in-ring action, creating new stars, like we've kind of seen in recent weeks on the show, I feel like that's the best case scenario for NXT going forward. Um, But I mentioned, we have Solo Sokoa as the new NXT North American Champion. Quite the surprise closing out the show on Tuesday, the big one-year anniversary episode. Him beating Carmelo Hayes to become champion. Hayes, who has dominated that title scene for the last year, taking that belt almost exactly one year ago from Isaiah Swerve Scott, holding it till April, losing it to Cameron Grimes, getting it back in June, and having held it ever since. Losing it to Solo, who... Wanted, who said he would get the next shot many, many months ago. Kind of forgotten about. Solo got hurt, sidetracked, went to SmackDown. He's back, wins the gold. Very cool surprise to close out the show. And like I said earlier, dude, we don't know where they're going with this next, and I'm very excited to see where they go. No, I mean, I, I popped big for Solo. I, I, I loved him on SmackDown last week. I loved him when he came on Clash of Champions. I think he's a great addition to Bloodline. And, yeah, I mean, 
I think he'll be. I think he'll have it on SmackDown. I, I'm assuming it'll be acknowledged. I don't know what they're gonna do with it, but I mean, he could pull double duty. Or they could have people on NXT come on SmackDown and challenge them to get them some exposure. I, I really don't know, but I mean, I think it's great. Gotta get the gold on the bloodline. I think it's awesome, and I also think it helps that we don't have him beating Gunther anytime soon for a championship or Bobby Lashley or whoever. Um, obviously, he's not taking the championship from Roman, so at least not anytime soon. I don't think he will. But I think him taking the North American title is cool. I don't know if he pulls double duty. Did they retire the title from NXT and make it a main roster championship? I, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure where they go with it from here. I am curious to see. Do you think, what does this mean for Carmelo Hayes, you think? Does this mean a main roster call-up to one of the two brands to chase that championship? Does he go to Raw, or does he stay right where he is in NXT for now, and he's the one to beat Braun Breaker for that NXT championship? I think he stays on NXT and beats Braun Breaker for the belt. I think he should, too. I'm thinking it might be... Uh, I don't know. Halloween Havoc. I, I know next week they're doing Tyler Bate and Jordan Devlin, number one contenders match. Maybe it's New Year's Evil they could do it, or maybe later on in the year. I know Survivor Series is in Boston. He's from Massachusetts. I feel like if they did a takeover that weekend, it'd be great, but it doesn't sound like they are unless something changes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know when you do it. I think it should be a little bit longer. I mean, just lost the North American, and like you said, I think there's other stuff going on for the for the main bell right now, but I think he should be the one to take it off, Brown. Yeah, I mean, he's main roster ready right now, but if they want to extend his run in NXT because they haven't done that match yet and it just makes sense, then I'm all for that, so... Um, we'll see where they go with that going forward. Talking about Raw from Monday, though, um, I thought it was a good show overall. Obviously got slammed in the ratings from football because Monday Night Football is back, of course. But overall, I thought it was a solid show, an improvement from the Labor Day edition a week prior. And we had three big matches advertised. Not every one of these matches was a classic by any means, but um, the three big stories coming out of Raw and that were advertised going into Raw, starting with the main event, we'll work our way down from there, Edge and Dominic. Edge does not often wrestle on Raw. They had a good match. Um, he won by disqualification, which was probably the way to go, so Dominic didn't lose his first match as a heel. Edge isn't losing his first match in the year to fucking Dominic Mysterio. The match was fine. The thing is, we spoke about this over text. I tweeted this. I don't think we're in the minority on this. This story has got to end. And Edge, it sounds like, based on what they said in the bump on Wednesday, uh, um, MCL, you know, sprain, tear, whatever the hell it was, of his ankle. Um, he might be out. It's not a real injury, obviously, but it, it's just a storyline injury, maybe to write him out for the foreseeable future. He's going to be gone again and then come back and continue this feud? Is Ray just going to be feuding with Judgment Day on his own in the meantime? I mean, what's going on here? You obviously agree that this shit has got to end, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I I told you this yesterday. I, I've never been a big fan of Judgment Day as, as, as itself. This whole Mysterio stuff with Dominic, I mean, I don't mind that. If they're going to go any direction with Dominic, I mean, he kind of had to put him in a factory because by himself, literally no one would care. So, like, I, I get the direction they're going in, but the whole Edge and Mysterio, Ray, Ray against them, I just, I'm over it to begin with. And I'm over it now that it's like it took up three different segments of Raw. I know Raw's long, three hours, but I don't need this three times over the show. Like, I, 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 I don't care that much. So, uh, I'm glad that they didn't. He didn't lose because they were just like would have buried him in the ground. And I'm glad that Finn beat Riddle early in the show. I could have sworn when they had him and Riddle that he was going to lose. I'm like, judgment they lose again, but <laughs> did win. So I'll give him credit on that aspect. But I don't know, just the group itself, I'm just not interested in. I just don't care. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it had potential when it first started, like I told you over text, but, I mean, ever since Edge got booted, I just really haven't cared, and it's only been 
downhill from there as far as what they've done with them. And uh, the, the thing is, they just never win. How many times do we say this about other people in, in WWE and AEW? They never win whatever matters most. Okay, Finn Balor beat Riddle, as he should have, but okay, cool. But then Judgment Day as a team lost at SummerSlam. They lost at Clash of the Castle. Uh, Damian Priest lost to Edge on Raw a month ago, a couple weeks ago. And then you had Dominic Mysterio, as he should have, but still losing here to Edge. They never win the big matches. I can't remember the last main event match on Raw they won, or any major important match they won. I know Finn Balor has beaten Ray a couple times. Okay, what did he fucking do? Who gives a shit? Every, Ray Mysterio has not won a televised match on his own in a singles match since, like, March. They just, I don't know. They just, they don't give a fuck about Ray Mysterio. So no one's really benefiting here. The end game, as I told you, Edge and Finn, I mean, it sounds like you're in the same camp as Alexis was when I told her about this, and, and it, when, I, when I said, just get to the end game, and you're like, even that I don't care about, which I don't blame you for. Edge and Finn, Ray and Dominic, how far are we stretching this out for? Do you think they do that at extreme roles? It sounds like they're probably going to drag this out for a while longer. I'm just not much more, I'm not sure how much more juice this has. Even with the promo Dominic cut, the pre-taped promo, which I'm glad it was pre-taped, it was a good promo. And like you said, Dominic turning heel definitely made him more bearable than he was previously. But then it just drags out the whole Ray versus Judgment Day stuff. And like you said, it's just not interesting. Yeah, I mean... The quicker they get this over with, the happier I'd be. Like you said, with Edge getting hurt, seemingly, I don't think it's going to speed this up. If anything, it's going to take you any longer. But, um, yeah. I yeah. just I just don't care. And I want it to be over with. So, yeah. I mean, I, I the problem also with this group is, and I mean, it's with any group, and we always say that the most, but like, a fa- you can't have a faction be dominant if they're just a mid-card faction, and that's what they are. I mean... They're never going to, like, Finn's never going to win the world title. Like, they're never going to go, like, so that's, I think that's why the booking's so, like, wishy-washy. Like, they're never winning when it matters most because they're not going to win matters most because they don't see them at that level. Like, they're not going to win the main title, so you're going to get, like, wishy-washy booking. Like, with the bloodline, I mean, you got Roman Reigns, so, like, they're going to win a lot because they have the main guy. Like, I think that's the same thing you can say with AEW. Like, they have so many mid-card, underneath factions that don't mean anything because they're never going to win when it matters most because... They're not ever positioned like that, and they shouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, they're also being paired with a guy. They beat Ray all the time, but they can never beat Edge. I mean, that's just the problem. They they aren't being positioned as any sort of a threat because they're always losing to the bigger guy. Ray Mysterio is a legend as well, but he he doesn't get the same treatment that Edge does. Ray loses a lot, and they beat him, but it doesn't really mean anything at this point. I mean, you can give gold to Judgment Day, but what are they going to be, the Usos for the tag titles? No. Is Finn Balor or Damien going to be Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship? Probably not. And they sure as hell are not beating Roman Reigns. So at that point, I think the lack of motivation too, like reasons for them being a group have also really hurt. Because when have they ever said, oh, we want the championships? Like what, what is their goal in being together on Raw? I think Edge wanted that domination or whatever. That kind of made sense. But ever since they booted Edge, like I said... They're just this, they're not a spooky faction, thankfully. They're like a gothic faction. They're not doing supernatural shit, which would be like, that would really would be what would seal them as one of the worst factions in a while. But they're just kind of a directionless group feuding with the same two people with no real endgame in sight. Because when they inevitably lose to Edge, when Finn loses to Edge, then what What do you do from there? Like, that. that's the question. So hopefully, like you said, the sooner they can wrap this up, the better. I'm just not sure how soon that's going to be. Uh, Speaking of factions, Damage Control, the new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, after only a two-week reign for Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah, 
I mean, I know you were on the Raquel and Leah bandwagon and in favor of them winning here. I mean, here's the here's the thing and what I said originally. If you were going to do this, either just have damage control, win the belts outright, or keep the belts on Raquel and um, Aaliyah for a little while. Because your idea isn't even a bad idea as far as giving them a, a reign, a real run with the championships, and then having them implode from there, Raquel turns on Aaliyah, which I'm not even sure they they want that to be the end game. I mean, I know you want that. I want that as well. I'm not even sure if they have that in mind because they might want to make Raquel a, a baby face because they already have enough heels on SmackDown. I don't know. But they lost within two weeks. Is it a case, as we've said before and as we talked about on Monday, of just them not having chemistry and Triple H is like, let's pull the plug? I feel like knowing him, he kind of plans certain things. I mean, I don't know him, but knowing his booking style, he plans things out in advance. He probably knew that Raquel and Aaliyah would win night one only to have them have a short reign. I don't know if that's a formula he does. People have compared that to Gargano and Cole. I don't really see that because Gargano at least had two months as NXT champion. Um, this lasted two weeks. It doesn't exactly do a lot to boost the prestige of these newly brought back tag team titles to have the inaugural, not inaugural champions, but the newly crowned champs only have a two-week run. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't love it. I mean, I like, I I was behind the whole Leah and, and, and Raquel winning the belts. I mean, I think we all thought that they would lose it to Kai and Sky, but for how quick it was, I don't know if it's just they feel like they weren't gelling together, which they just weren't. Like, Aaliyah just jumped in her arms every 10 seconds. Like, I, I, I mean, I would have given it a little bit longer, but if they were just going to put the belts on Kai and Sky to begin with, they should have just done it. I understand, like, a feel-good moment, or maybe they wanted Raquel to get a win, but... I mean, it wasn't really a clean one at the end of the day, so I'm not surprised when they rematch, they lost. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, do they continue to team and just lose? I, I, I don't know. I'll be interested to see what they do with here. But if they were just realistically, the whole plan was just to have a feel-good moment and put the belts on Sky and Kai after two weeks, I would have just done it. Just rip the Band-Aid off to begin with. Yeah, it was just a little weird that they would get behind them, give them all these wins for two weeks, then just go back to losing the belts, I don't know, but do you think this speeds up the return of Sasha Naomi to um, Raw or to WWE TV in general, whether it be Raw or SmackDown or both, or do you think it might be a little while longer before they come back, and I, I told Alexis yesterday, Survivor Series will be in Boston, as we know, we're going to be there, of course, I feel like it would be dumb, I mean, unless Sasha and Naomi are holding out, I know they were Fashion Week last week, they're doing all this other shit, unless it's a them thing and they don't want to come back now, but I feel like they're under some sort of agreement where they're just waiting until the right time to come back uh, creatively. I feel like it would be booking malpractice to not have them on that Survivor Series show. Could you have them return at that show? Yeah, but I feel like you would want to get the most out of them being back and advertise her and being in her hometown. I feel like that would really boost ticket sales for... I mean, I think it already sold out or something. I don't remember, but I feel like you probably would want them back before Survivor Series so they can be on that show. Yeah, I would like them to be back on that show, but... I mean, it all depends on when they want to come back. If they want to come back, I mean, it seems like they're doing, like, New York City fashion show stuff right now. So, we'll see. Uh, I mean, worst case scenario, if they don't come back to Survivor Series, at that point, I just have them in the Rumble, and then you start from there. It could. Yeah, I mean, it could be a couple more months before they're back. And I like the fact that Triple H isn't blowing his load with all these returns. And we did we did see that for a few weeks in a row, and it was exciting, like, a return on Monday and a return on Friday and another return on Monday. That's not a sustainable formula, as we know, with AEW, so... I'm glad they're not doing that as much. We did get Braun back last week. We don't need a return every single week. So you can hold off a while. We still have them coming back at some point. Possibly Bray. We got Gargano back. 
Um, the Rock, I know, was someone else that uh, Ariel Hawani mentioned at Triple H a couple weeks ago. So that's possible as well at some point. We'll see. Uh, maybe it obviously come WrestleMania, but uh, yeah, no, I like the fact that they're kind of spacing out the returns, assuming they are under some sort of agreement that they will be back. And I have no doubt that they're, I, I highly doubt they're going to AEW or anywhere else. I'm pretty sure they will come back to WWE, almost positive. It's more a matter of, to me, of when than if. Um, but the other big story from Raw, Gargano's in-ring return, singles debut on the flagship show, a great match with a perfect opponent in Chad Gable picking up the win before being attacked by Theory, Austin Theory that is now and uh, who went on to have a very good verbal exchange with uh, Kevin Owens as well. So that was a great half-hour period where Gargano and Gable got some time. Gargano went clean. You further the feed with Gargano and uh, Austin Theory. And then Theory and Kevin Owens are having a rematch next week on Raw, but it's not for no reason. They had that great verbal exchange followed by a brawl to set up that match. So it's not like it's a random rematch for no real reason. So I thought that entire half-hour period on Raw was probably the best part of the show on Monday, aside from the... Dexter stuff, which I'm liking as well with the Miz. Yeah, I thought this was a good, like you said, the the Owens, the Owens stuff with Theory was amazing. Um, the Johnny Gargano Chad Gale match was great as well. And I mean, I I was kind of hoping that Theory, like I don't know, Owens wasn't like a stone cold babyface at this point. So I was like, honestly, I was like, I hope the Theory like takes it. But then obviously he's just a smarmy prick and tells Owens he doesn't need his help and all that shit. So I thought it was good. I mean. I like that doing him and Owens. I think Theory really needs to start winning, though. Mm-hmm. And I think Owens needs to win, too. So it's like a tough dynamic because I think both guys need to win. Theory more. I mean, the whole, like, he has the briefcase just to be a loser. I just hate that mantra. I know Triple H is in charge. Theory has won a little bit more since Triple H took over. But, I mean, it's been like a match or two. So yeah. I, I think he really needs to win because the whole I'm the winner, I'm the briefcase guy and I lose, it's just dumb. And it makes you look like a loser. No, it's never worked. It's always been a bad idea ever since they started doing it a decade ago, if not earlier than that, where it's like, oh, I have a guaranteed title shot. And then when they win the championship and no one cares, unless they're an established guy, it's like, oh, they're just not over. No, it's because you beat this guy like a fucking drum for six months before they cashed in the contract. So Rollins was like one of the only people who kind of escaped that. But even he, when he was Mr. Money in the Bank, won more matches than Theory has so far. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that match. And with Theory... As well, do you think people have pitched this idea? I know Owens wants Roman Reigns. Do you think the end game of this mini feud between Owens and Theory could be Owens either getting or at least wanting his hands on the contract? And I wouldn't switch the contract from Theory. I feel like that would be a waste just for Owens to get it because I know he would probably cash in and lose as he should. Um, I think Theory should hold on to it. But do you think that might be the motivation behind having them feud? To have to have Owens win the uh, contract potentially. I hope not. I don't. Yeah, I just don't think it's necessary. That could be the reasoning for the rivalry, and I think that would be logical because otherwise, why would Owens keep coming? I mean, I know they set up the match for next week's Raw, but logically, why would Owens interrupt him on Raw this week when he already beat him clean a week ago? That was my only question. So, if they can explain that by saying you're wasting the contract when I should be holding it because I want a match with Roman Reigns, I hate whenever they put the contract in the line because like Theory won it. The thing is with Theory, they've mentioned this a lot. Oh, you didn't earn it. You weren't supposed to be in the match. You're right. He didn't. He wasn't supposed to be in the match. But the thing is this. He fucking won the match clean. It wasn't like Brock Lesnar when Brock won it three or four years ago. He entered the match at the last minute, came in and won the match. That's not what this was. He entered the match as a regular com- competitor and then wrestled the match and won it like any normal person would. That's That's what I don't understand. Like, everyone's saying, oh, he got added to the match without earning it. Fucking half the guys in the match did not qualify for it. They just get put in there randomly. So, 
I'm not exactly sure what he's talking about. Because I know Owens was supposed to be in it, and then he couldn't be, and they've referenced that, which I like. But anyway, well, maybe they'll make it make sense. We'll see. Um, as we close down here, Mr. Marceau, Grand Slam coming up next week, the New York City edition of Dynamite next Wednesday. Um, I thought this week's Dynamite was better than last week's, and everyone was raving about last week's, but I honestly thought this week was better. Um, the promo stuff was fine. I thought they had a lot of good matches. Moxley and Guevara was good. I just could not give two fucks about Sammy Guevara. I was very disappointed when Darby Allen lost to him on Rampage last Friday. Because there was no doubt that Guevara was losing here. At least with Allen, there would be a little bit more suspense. But whatever. Moxley advanced. Brian Danielson advanced by beating Jericho in a rematch from All Out. Another really good match between those two. So we got our card, or some of the main matches for Grand Slam next week. And the top three championship matches, and there might there's probably going to be more added in the um, days to come, but not three, I'm sorry, four, starting with Pack and Orange Cassidy for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship, a rematch from Revolution 2020, kind of stemming from the trios tag team title match they had on uh, Dynamite a week ago. I mean, kind of a throwaway match, but I think Pack has got to win here, right? I mean, Orange Cassidy's gotten a million title shots and he's always lost. I don't think this is any exception. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Pack needs to win here. I wouldn't have pockets to beat him. Um, I just don't think it's necessary, so I, I would have Pack go over here. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting that I know Orange Cassidy's really over, but they give him so many title shots, and he loses every single time, which is why I thought the trio's titles would have been perfect perfect for him, honestly, and best friends, but whatever. Um, the AEW Interim Women's World Championship. I guess the only real formula that Tony Khan knows how to do with the women, evidently, is just booking a tag team match to set up a four-way, because we saw it coming to All Out, and we saw it this week getting heading into next week. They did a tag team match with the heels winning, and then that sets up a four-way for the uh, Grand Slam show with uh, Tony Storm defending the interim title against Britt Baker, who's getting her fucking up-team title shot, um, Athena, and Serena Deeb. So a four-way for the championship. Is Storm's reign cut short, or do one of the other three women become champ? I would just keep it on Storm. I mean, she just won the belt just to drop it. It would be so dumb. I mean, that's just like, that's like, no. I mean, she just won it like two weeks ago in a <laughs> four, or four way. Yeah. Um, I would keep it on Storm. If I mean, if Britt Baker won it, I'd just give up. I would just, I would just fold the women's division at that point. <laughs> I mean, and if Athena won it, it'd just be dumb. I just keep it on, just keep it on Tony. It'd be so dumb to do that. Why is Baker even in the match though? She was already in the interim title four way, and she lost that already. Like, why couldn't we put another woman in there instead? Of, I mean, it shouldn't even be a four way anyway. I thought they were building to Deeb and Tony because Deeb was the one who pinned Tony Storm. I was surprised they announced a four way when it really should be just Tony and Serena Deeb straight up. Yeah, I don't know. He loves four ways, I guess. I, specifically with the women, we never really see it with the men, but we, I mean, we haven't gotten a lot with the women, but we literally just had one at All Out less than two weeks ago. Why would you do in another four-way featuring the same two women and two other women who really... Athena just lost to Jade Cargill. She's losing again, most likely. And Deeb hasn't been on TV up until lately, so... I don't know, very weird. AEW World Tag Team title match. This is a match where I think we need a title change. Swerving or Glory taking on the Acclaimed in New York, where the Acclaimed, or at least Matt Castor is from. He's from the New York area. Uh, Max Caster has been really over alongside Anthony Bowens. I feel like this is their night to become tag team champions and beginning the split between Keith Lee and uh, Swerve Strickland. Yeah, I mean, I think they should win this match. I think they should have honestly won it all out. Um, the crowd in Chicago was hot for them. It's not like, it's just, just, even if they weren't supposed to win, like, hey, you switch a hot crowd, a claim win. Because if you're going to win them two weeks later, like, 
I, I get, I guess, like, oh, they won in their hometown. I mean, cool, but the crowd was so hot for them there, and it's not even like Swerve and Glory cheated to beat them. Like, they beat them clean as a sheet. <laughs> like Swerve said in the press conference, like Swerve said, like, why did they get a rematch? We just beat them clean, and Tony just like, oh, like, because he because he's an idiot. He's a Mark Booker. Oh, because mm-hmm. I want them to win their hometown. Who cares? Like the time was then. They have no reason to get a rematch. They lost clean, like Swerve said. They're gonna win here, but they should have done it all out. Just to do it two weeks later is just dumb. Listen, I completely agree as far as, like, I'm glad we're getting the rematch. They should have done it at All Out. But they need a storyline reason for why they're getting another shot. Like you said, they won clean, did Swerve in her glory. And Tony Khan goes, oh, I couldn't think of a better place to do another match. When would be in their hometown. And Swerve's like, why, though? We, we beat them clean. And, yeah, it's their hometown from a booking, from, like, a fan standpoint. Yeah, it's cool that they would win it in New York, but you need a reason for it. Like, another question for you, side tra- you know, side question here. Why did we get Swervener Glory versus the Lucha Bros last night for the tag team titles and FDR still sitting on the sidelines and not getting a single title shot? Yeah, I mean, I said I was going to text you that last night. I never understood how in Dynamite they have title matches when there's a title match the next week. It makes so no like, sense. There's a story, in Storyline, there's, there's, ta- like, there's a story going on between Swervener Glory and the Acclaim. But then next this week, we have a title match. It's like, what happens the Lucha Brothers won? So it's just dumb, because then you know they're not going to win. They do it all the time, and it makes no sense. No, it makes no sense, and it also makes the Lucha Bros look like losers. They just became Trios champions. Celebrate that fact. Why are they going in there and losing another tag team title match they never even earned in the first place? I mean, they, they're they probably in the top five, but, like, yeah, they're not number one. We know, who, we know who fucking number one is, so... I don't know. That's really dumb. I'm glad they're doing the match, but they really should have made it made more sense, like, just do a number one contenders match. It's not, it's not rocket science to make this make sense. Um, but I agree. I think they claim have to win here. If they're not, I mean, they're just, they're probably done. We get to the main event. We are getting a new AEW world champion. As we know, it was vacated a couple weeks ago. John Moxley, Brian Danielson, once again, the battle of the Blackpool combat club. Like we saw at revolution earlier this year, this should be a great match and it could go either way. We know Moxley was, that was confirmed. He was supposed to take time off coming out of the pay-per-view. So it's very likely he only agreed to like you know, my, Tony Khan's like, listen, we need you, pal. Come on in for three weeks, and we'll let you go. Not let you go, but, like, we'll let you go off and take time off. Or does he stick around till full gear to do the match with MJF um, and drop it to him there? So, as we've talked about before, whoever wins this thing, it really is, without calling it, it's an interim title tournament because whoever's winning is losing to MJF. So, two-part question. One, who do you think wins here? Is it Danielson or Moxley? And two... Does MJF cash in his title shot? Which we still don't know if it works like a Money in the Bank briefcase. They've teased that it has. We don't know that 100%. They, they could just they, they probably haven't established that because they don't want to make it obvious if it does happen next week because MJF is from New York. Um, so who do you have win this tournament? And does MJF walk out as champion at the end of next week's Grand Slam Dynamite? Um, I would have just... I mean, realistically, if I was booking it, I would just gave MJF the title after All Out. He has the chips. He just, like, that would perfect. Like, imagine that they vacate, oh, since we vacated the belt, MJF has this chip and he can automatically get the belt. Like, that would been perfect. Like, he can be a dick heel and be like, oh, I won the belt because I won this. And that, yeah. that, that. that's what they should have done. They were so easy and they didn't. And if you're not going to do that, it should have just been him and Moxley. And then he wins the belt. Because it's going to be dumb if either Moxley or Brian win the belt. And then, oh, and what are they going to do? He's just going to either cash in, which would just be dumb. And then if they wait till full gear, were they going to hold the belt for a month or two and then lose the belt to, to MGF? I mean, I think you have. I would have. I would have 
Moxley winning, especially if he's going to lose it immediately. I mean, I guess you could have Brian win, and then you have him in chase mode, but I don't know. Because then I just feel like then he's just going to keep losing the MGF, which I feel like Brian should be doing better than that. I, I want Brian to have a legit reign, so mm-hmm. I would have Moxley win it, and then if he's going to hold it for a month, lose it, it's fine, because he's been champion a few times, and same if he lost it immediately. But realistically, it should just be him and MGF, and MGF wins, but here we are. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably just say Moxley. I do want Danielson to win because at least it's something different because we've seen Moxley's champion twice now. Um, I guess. But if you want someone as an interim... You don't lose it right away. You don't want Brian... Imagine if Brian won it just to lose it and then he chases MGF but just keeps losing. Like, what's the point at that point? Well, I mean, he wouldn't... So, I mean, here's what you could do. I mean, you can have Brian lose it. And I don't think they would do a rematch of Full Gear and have him lose again. I would probably... If he was to go on to lose it, I would probably just hold off and have him win it back like in six months or something. I mean, you can you can make that make sense. I understand what you're saying, and I agree. It's just like Moxley is champion for... I don't really want him as champion for a month. I mean, does he have a two-minute reign? <laughs> I mean, the reigns have been so... I mean, it's, it's no fault of the booking. I mean, most of it's not, but like with injuries and shit, I realize that's not their fault, but they're going to have another short reign. This belt means nothing at this point. It went from being like the most prestigious world title to meaning nothing. Again, to no fault through their own for the most part, but yeah, I mean, Brian winning it and then losing it wouldn't overly bother me because you can tell the story of him chasing it. And I think he can lose to MJF once and then maybe beat him in six months because I'm not really sure who else would beat MJF. Darby means just absolutely nothing right now. Um, Jungle Boy, absolutely not. I'm not even really sure. I mean, Darby Allen would be great, but it doesn't sound like they have any inclination, any you know real reason to push him right now, which is ridiculous, any real plans. But uh yeah, I think we're both settled on Moxley here, right? Yes. All right, I think that just makes the most sense. And we'll see how it goes down. I'm, I'm looking forward to the show last week's, or last year, rather. That Grand Slam show in New York was uh, was great. I will not be there. It's going to be at Arthur Ashe. It's right next door, right across the street from uh, City Field Mets Stadium. I saw it when I was at a Mets game about a month ago. Not a great area, and I'm not going all that way just to sit through a four-hour show because Grand Slam Rampage next week is going to be two hours, too. So I wasn't there last year. I will not be there this year. But plenty of uh, Rampages and Dynamites coming to the Connecticut area in the next couple months. I mentioned that Dynamite's coming to Connecticut, uh, the shithole that is Bridgeport, on your birthday. But not only that, they're actually coming to ra- for Rampage at um, Mohegan Sun in late October. Have you been to Mohegan Sun before to gamble or no? I've been there once. It's actually a great arena, and I'm not going to go there to gamble, but it's actually a great atmosphere over there, so I might be looking into that as well. But, you know, we got SmackDown coming up. we got Survivor Series coming up, Mr. Marceau. A lot to look forward to in the remaining months of 2022. Looking forward to breaking it all down with your brother here on the show every single week. New episodes every single Thursday. WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. So, I'm not really sure what's coming up on the docket, Mr. Marceau. What's going to be breaking in the next week? Hopefully not too, too much. All the Wrestling news is exciting, but it's also exhausting. So hopefully we can kind of take a step back next week, just review the usual shows, review Grand Slam, and then beyond that, we don't really have a whole lot until Extreme Rules in early October, which we still have that to look forward to as well. So have a great one, Mr. Marcel. Catch your ass next week, brother. Adios.